This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. The United States is gearing up for the 2020 census, and a lot is at stake in communities around Metro Detroit, where there are lots of barriers to people participating in the census. Our next guest was awarded a $1.2 million grant from the Michigan Nonprofit Association to boost census participation. Haig Oshigan is director of New Michigan Media and associate professor of media studies at Wayne State University. Haig, welcome to Detroit Today. Stephen, thank you for having me. Yes, great to have you here. Uh, so talk about your role in the Census Committee here in Detroit and at the state level. Well, I'm, I've am i become heavily involved in the Census. It's actually something I knew little about at the beginning, but the more I've learned of it, the more I understood the real, the really serious implications of the Census. I'm on the Detroit City's um, committee uh, looking at the Census. I'm on the Wayne County Committee. I'm on the City Council's Immigration Task Force's Census Committee. I'm on the MNA's statewide committee, and the governor appointed me recently to the Michigan Complete Count Committee. So I, I have a chance to see the census from multiple levels statewide. Um, and my role in this is to find ways to leverage the context that I have with ethnic and minority media to f- try to boost participation and, and uh, the response rate of minorities to the census. Hmm. Uh, and talk about that uh, that role of ethnic and minority populations in the census. Historically, we just have not done a great job of making sure that everybody gets counted in communities um, that, that have a lot of barriers to, to participation. There are a number of groups that traditionally are undercounted. Um, children is one large category, for example. And Michigan, by some estimates, is, has based on the 2010 census, has lost about $10 million a year in children's related programs because of the undercount of kids in in Michigan. Um, Those living in poverty, farm workers, those who are homeless, rural uh, Michiganders, uh, renters are all undercounted, generally speaking, but a key category are minorities, ethnic and racial. Um, Oftentimes, these are the groups that are are least likely to participate in the census and so end up being undercounted in the census. and Detroit, considering that Detroit is 86% non-white, mm-hmm. Wayne County is 45% non-white, uh, we are dealing with serious challenges for both of these regions. And these are, this is the largest city in the state and the largest county in the state. And so we have serious issues for the whole state when these two areas are not well counted. Yeah. So so talk about the things that are going to happen as a result of this, uh, as a result of this grant. How do you reach out to these communities to make sure that their participation is what it should be. Well, maybe we should take a step back and, and talk about the implications of the census, too, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Stephen. This, this is the part that I didn't really fully appreciate before. Um, the federal government gives out about $700 billion a year in funding to states, and that amount to each state is based on its population count. So if a state is undercounted, it gets less federal money. Michigan, every year, receives almost $30 billion uh, for its most, you know, let's say, the top 55 programs in Michigan, receive about $55 billion a year, I mean, sorry, $30 billion a year from the federal government. And every program you might imagine, um, in terms of social services and assistance, is in this category. I'll list you some. Medicaid, student loans, Medicare, highway construction, Pell Grants, Section 8 housing, Title I grants for K-12, special education, 
the WIC program, the SNAP program, both of which are nutrition and health uh, programs for, for, for uh, children and women, uh, foster care, school breakfast programs, rural electrification, adoption, uh, energy, water, crime, substance abuse, all of these are funded partially from the federal government. Mm-hmm. Um, and the amount each city gets depends on how many people in the city are counted. And so if Detroit, for example, is undercounted, you, Detroit will get less money, for example, for Head Start. Um, it's not that the kids that need Head Start don't exist. They are just undercounted, and right. the funds available to them are less. And so this, the, the kids lose, the city loses. Um, this is how the, the census really affects everyone's life. It's, it's the federal assistance that's provided for, for needy and, and people in need of various services, um, and it's based on the, on the census numbers. And once it's counted in 2020, that number will not change for 10 years. And so any undercount next year will stick with us for the next 10 years. Um, and, and so talk about the ways in which we combat that. What, what are the specific things that need to be done to make sure that people fill out the census and uh, return it? There are some issues that have to do with um, sensitizing people to the census. For example, ch- the issue of children not being counted um, is partly because uh, sometimes children live with uh, split in split families. Uh, sometimes children will live with grandparents. Um in, in children live in, in uh, ch- challenged areas economically. Um, all of those end up undercounting children. And so the, the, the thing to do is to, let's say, children who live with grandparents, to sensitize grandparents to make sure that the children are counted where they are. But minorities um, generally face uh, some particular issues that non-minorities don't face. Um, the common thread among all, all in terms of not answering is a sense a fear of repercussion. That is, if um, the government learns about me, um, there might be some repercussion. Hmm. Um, And those who tend not to answer the census are those who have the greatest fear of this kind of repercussion. Um, And it cuts across all groups. I mean, it's easy to imagine maybe um, a Latino who might fear deportation or an Arab American who might fear the FBI. But African Americans have the same amount of fear of repercussion. You might have tickets, for example, parking tickets. You might have uh, food assistance, and a certain number of people might have to be living in a home. Uh, then they aren't, and and so you fear losing bridge card or some kind of food assistance. Um, you might have another address for your car insurance. I mean, uh, minorities. Uh, you know, it, it's not just those who fear some kind of a, a deportation that fear repercussion. Almost all of all people do. In fact. Um, Native Americans, I learned, have it as well um, as, a, as a fear based on a memory from mm-hmm. um, some time ago, not that long ago, when the government forcibly took Native American children to boarding schools. Um, and so they would not want anyone knocking on their door or finding out who lives here and so on. There's that fear as well with even Native Americans. So this, to overcome this, is, is a major challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's one of the things that we face, is, is how to discuss this in such a way that puts people at ease and lets them know that the census is truly, absolutely confidential, that there are laws in place, that the information will not be released for 72 years uh, after it's been yeah. uh, taken. But that's, a, that's not easy to do. You can't get in trouble for filling out the census. Yeah, yeah. It's, the fear of repercussion is the largest obstacle. But, you know, some people distrust government. Sure. Um, and so they don't think that 
you know, their answers are going to be used for anything that benefits them, so why do it? Um, others um, have a sense of apathy in terms of p political engagement. That is, you know, my voice doesn't count, my vote doesn't count, so why bother with this? Yeah. Um, so, but, but the fear of repercussion is, is I think, the overwhelmingly. From my discussions with, with various groups of people across the state, this fear is, is, the, is the predominant obstacle, challenge. To minorities. Yeah, uh, I quickly want to talk about the Trump administration's hard stance on undocumented immigrants, discouraging people from wanting to fill out the census. This is—I feel like this is the the sort of new dimension of the census debate uh, that has been injected by the president and and people around him. How do you how do you push back against that? Well, the citizenship question, when it became an issue, was an example or, or an indication of what you're referring to. Um, all it did was to sensitize people to the fact that the government is looking for something um, that might be in some way hurtful. Um, and, and in fact, the, the New York Times investigation found that the citizenship issue itself was a political maneuver um, engineered to actually serve that exact purpose, to chill people's participation rates, to under, undercount it. Um, it's not on the census. The citizenship question will not be on the census, although I can tell you how many people don't realize that. Um, and so some damage has been done uh, in that way as well. Um, minorities, there's obviously a political angle on some of this uh, in terms of elections and voting. But uh, the people who are mostly hurt are, are, are people who need the aid the most. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, it, it would be cynical to, 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 to use political... Uh, reasons to really affect people's lives in this way through the census. Yeah. Uh, so some of your work here is going to kick off in a pretty big way uh, on September 30th. Tell us about that. So the, um, you know, it's it's actually commendable. Michigan has seen, is doing something no other state has done. Um, the the census work in the state uh, initially was begun by the, the community of foundations that raised money, particularly Kellogg Foundation, um, and the Michigan Nonprofit Association, the MNA, took over the administering of these funds. And initially, $5 million was raised. And then the state appropriations, through the governor's uh, the request, gave $5 million more to, to, for, for the census effort. I can tell you that California state appropriations has raised over $100 million for the census. Illinois, which is only 2 million more people than, than Michigan, uh, has has appropriated almost $30 million for the census. So mm -hmm. states, states take it seriously because so much is at stake in the census. But I'm glad that Michigan has put together uh, the amount of money that it has. Um, and the MNA has, uh, Michigan Nonprofit Association, has asked uh, us, uh, so myself as director of New Michigan Media, to help administer some parts of this money. New Michigan Media is a collaboration of ethnic and minority media in this region. Um, and... A key factor in, in having people respond to the census is, is a key question is who, is, who is giving you the message? Who is telling you that you should participate? Because if it's the mayor, for example, or if it's the governor, for example, um, it's, not, it's not nearly as convincing as if it's your neighbor, as if it's um, your father, as if it's, if, or if it's a trusted voice of some kind. And in most communities, minority communities, uh, the no local news media is an important trusted voice. Um, and, and so what we've done is try to leverage New Michigan Media's contacts with local ethnic and minority media to have them give out the message of the census, for it to come in an editorial from a uh, you know, trusted uh, publisher 
or or an editorial from a trusted uh, known minority source uh, in a news format in a news medium that people are used to seeing um, whether it's the Jewish news whether it's the Arab American news whether it's the Latino press whether it's the Michigan Korean weekly whether it's a tribal newspaper up in in one of the reservations up north um, the effort is the same is to leverage this sort of trusted uh, voice to give the message of the census that it's confidential that you should participate that's the effort that we're engaged in, and, yeah. and, and, and it's a unique sort of approach that Michigan has done. Uh, yeah. My responsibility is statewide on this, um, and I've had conversations multiple places on this issue. Yeah. Okay, hi, Goshigan, Director of New Michigan Media and Associate Professor of Media Studies at Wayne State University. We look forward to seeing how your work unfolds on the census over the next year. Thank you. Thanks very much for being here. All right, up next, we're going to welcome two icons of the opera world into the studio. Michael Fabiano is the featured performer kicking off Michigan Opera Theater's new season next month. And George Shirley is the Detroiter, who became the first African-American tenor to perform in a lead role at the Metropolitan Opera House in New York. Stay with us on Detroit Today. Detroit Today.